Welcome to the New York Giant Cast in partnership with Barnstormers Football Club. Episode 8 of the New York Giant Cast. I'm here, Harry Cooper. I'm with Brendan. We are reviewing post draft, um, a very good draft for the Giants. Brendan, first of all, how are you? And what did you make of the draft? Oh, I'm doing great right now. You know, I just unfortunately sprained my foot over the weekend, but, um, you know, I'm starting to heal up a little bit. The Giants draft kind of made me feel a little bit better because I loved it, and we'll we'll definitely get into that. But honestly, it was an A plus draft for me in the first in the uh, the first draft in the Joe Shane regime. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean it was a it was an early one for where I was. It was a one a.m. start on Sky Sports, so didn't actually. Yeah, get on Sky Sports. Yeah. Oh really? Uh, did they, do you guys not get a uh, ESPN or anything like that over there? No. Uh, the Sky Sports the NFL. So, but yeah, so that one was like, it was just a no-go. Um, I watched the, the the other two days, but yeah, I had work in the morning, so I didn't watch it. But obviously, I woke up to the best news um, ever because I, I didn't think, when we'd done the, the podcast before, I didn't think that we'd get a chance to get Neil and Cave on. To get them both, and then obviously the news has come out, well, not the news has come out today, but the whole situation with the Cowboys with a the first two and their their, their sheet was, was oh yeah you know, cave on love it it's just it was it was an amazing feeling it for once as a Giants fan we actually felt that like you know we got on in kind of thing um and like yeah these two have got so much potential we can't expect them to come in and, and you know and change the whole team but they've got so much potential to be so good for this team um and level that we've not seen in a couple of years what, what's your opinion on on just the, the general signing of them both I mean I honestly just I well I told you like in the last podcast that in, in dream scenario we get either we get Thibodeau and we get um you know one of the three tackles or we get Sauce Gardner one of the three tackles I would have been elated I would have been so excited and guess what happened? We we played our we played our cards right. We 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 gave out some false news about us with Charles Cross and um, Sauce or whatnot. I feel like Thibodeau and Neil were always our top two guys, anyways. Even if like we were to um, draft higher up, I think that we had them as our two top players in the draft, anyways. So the fact that we got two of the guys like that were projected to go number one overall is just absolutely ridiculous. And like I just don't understand like the like how like lucky we are like maybe it's just like okay like you put us down in the trenches with the Gettleman era now maybe our luck is starting to turn is that what it is now like I haven't felt this much luck since you know probably OBJ years when we, we drafted him that that one year that we miraculously made the playoffs but you know it's it's kind of surreal to me the fact that we got two blue chip prospects on each side of the line which is both of our weaknesses and that are going to start for us for probably 10 plus years and I honestly think that um, this first round could not have gone any better. I I already gave my assessment on that in the last podcast. But um, you know what? Like, now that they're both giants, like, let's get to work. I can't wait to see them shine in big blue. Yeah, we'll start with uh, number five, Kayvon. Um One thing I've, I've noticed about him is, is the, le- the media speak a lot about his, his ethic and his, his desire to play football. Um, when he puts on this blue, you're, you're, you're going to see the player and you're going to see four teams sitting there with uh, hands in their heads saying, 
why didn't we draft him? I, I honestly believe that. Like, I really believe, like, look, don't get me wrong, I think Evan Neal's going to be great for us as well. I honestly believe Kayvon's got the world at his hands. And yep. he's just got a, you know, I believe he can. But if he stays focused and stays on the right lines and the good management, I, I don't see where, like, the limit is for him. I don't know if that's maybe been a bit um, optimistic for him or not, but I honestly believe that there isn't, like, his potential is the sky. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have put it better. And, you know, just to back that up, like, he's always been the number one guy wherever he's gone. From high school, he was the number one prospect since his freshman year of high school, all the way to, to college where he was at Oregon and was the number one prospect from his freshman year. Won the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year as a freshman. He was the number one overall pick for a while. And then some character concerns, quote-unquote, because he had a big ego and he was too caring too much about his brand. Like in this day and age, like that's what guys want to do. Like they want to expand their brand, and like New York City is the perfect place for that. And from what I was hearing from you know Kayvon in the uh, in the press conferences and stuff, he seems to be focused on you know not. I mean, brand comes second, but football comes first. He seems to want to just you know want to win, want to be in a place where you know that the, he's going to transform that culture. And I honestly think that his potential can be all pro. He could literally be that guy for for us for for years to come. You can be our new Michael Strahan, OCUMR, or whoever, whatever you want to say. But he was my number one player on the board outside of Evan Neal. And obviously we got them both. Um and I honestly think that he has way more potential than Aiden Hutchinson, who's pro- who's kind of like a high ceiling or a high a high floor, low ceiling, not low ceiling, but you know, moderate ceiling kind of guy. And Trayvon Walker, who you just you're just taking a home run swing on. I'd rather play with that guy who's got the high ceiling, high floor kind of guy, and that's Kayvon to me. And if he can, you know, just focus on football and, you know, manage his brand or whatever their character concerns they're, they're saying is, he'll be a world beater and he'll transform our defense and he'll have, you know, be a 15-sack a season guy. And I can't wait to watch that because I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see that. And I'm going to go on to the, all those Twitter bozos on Twitter and be like, you know, I told you so. KT is that guy. Yeah, I, I, f- I fully agree. And before we touch on uh, number seven, Evan Neal, I just want to ask you, I don't know if, if maybe it's too early to ask these kind of questions, but why not? How many, just with this draft, I guess you could include the whole draft, but mainly these two, how many plus wins can we get because of just having these players not seen? Um, I can tell you right now that well, just just the additions of Evan, just Evan Neal, in, like on his own, gives us at least two wins over Nate Solder. I can tell you that right now. And with Kayvon Thibodeau, hey, he's gonna be able to put pressure on the quarterback and give give our defense a little bit less time to have to cover players. So I think that um, he he alone can give us another win or two as well. And that's why I've always said, if the Giants play the their cards well in the draft. They could easily become an eight, nine, nine, even ten win team in the first year under Dayball, and especially with Daniel Jones hopefully coming back fully healthy for this entire year, not having to see Mike Glennon be on the field, and with the additions of these two young raw blue chip prospects, I really think that this team can add at least four or five wins just purely off of returning guys and adding these two absolutely amazing prospects to the roster, and I, I feel like you you feel the same way as well, but. Um, these two guys are going to be game changers for us. And uh, and honestly, I can see them even like, you know, reaching all, all pro kind of levels 
in their first couple seasons. That's how good they are. Yeah, let's let's go on to to Evan Neal. Obviously picked at seventh. I was actually surprised he we actually got the option to get him at seven. Um, he's he's a quality player. Um, the Giants are obviously going to use him at right tackle with Thomas at left tackle. That's it. Just it just looks and sounds so much better. Um, but yeah, I w- I was actually quite surprised he dropped to seven. I'm not sure about you if you if you knew he was going to go there, but another brilliant pickup and just two players that like like we said about Kayvon, are just going to... Neil's the same. He's got that sort of potential that could just go on. And it, and if he's under good management, and I, and I believe at the moment from what we've seen, it looks like we've got good management now, finally. Mm-hmm. Like, Evan Neil can be another player where we just see the best from him um, and he just develops on develops every single game and he just turns into an absolute beast for us. When He's not going to be a well-beater this season and neither is Kayvon. Um, but they're definitely going to be better than what we've had. And their development through this year is then going to make them, hopefully, an unstoppable force in uh, Season 2. What was your thoughts on uh, Evan Neal? Evan Neal was my number one player on the entire board. I was saying it since day one. He is the bookend tackle that we needed, and not even just next to Andrew or across from Andrew Thomas. But just the fact that he can bring so much to our blocking game with the with the passing, he's so good in the passing game. He's kind of the perfect blend of Ikem Aquanu and Charles Cross, where Ikem is kind of like a really really good run blocker, and then um, Charles Cross is that like blue chip pass blocker. But Evan Neal's got both. He's slim. He's six four three thirty seven. He's got good feet, got good blocking technique. He only allowed one sack in three years at Alabama, which is crazy considering the talent of uh, the talent of all the guys that have gone through the SEC in terms of defensive ends and defensive tackles. Um, you also have the, uh, the the fact that he can get out into space and become that lead blocker kind of guy. He's not gonna, he's not Nate Solder where he's kind of old and kind of slow. Um, so it's kind of crazy to me that. Um, we were able to land this guy at seven when I thought he was going to go in the top three. I think when I saw that Trayvon Walker was going to the Jags and that the Jags were signing Cam Robinson to that massive extension, I knew that one of the three tackles were going to drop to us. I just And then when Stingley was called to the Texans, I was like, that's money because the Jets either are going Iquanu or Sauce. And we would get our choice of Neil Cross and Iquanu, depending on if the Jets went Sauce. And they did. And I was like, wow, look at us. I think we just we absolutely have a home run draft in front of our faces. Um, just the way that the, the top three played out for us. So I'm so happy that Joe Shane kind of, you know, didn't um, you know, he went by the analytics, he went he went by how who the player is and not any of the noise around him, not getting stirred up by the media at all, by Pat Leonard the clown or whatnot. But I, I think Evan Neal is going to be a transformative player for this offensive line. I really think that we can see Daniel Jones take that step forward in year four. This is the type of player that he can be. He can really transform Daniel Jones's career, in my opinion. Yeah, and we spoke about Daniel Jones. I actually got on to that point now, actually. We spoke about Daniel Jones a lot and how he can't be blamed for everything that's happened in the last few years because his line's been terrible, you know, and he's had other problems like injuries, et cetera. There's, adding players like Neal and that now mean that Daniel Jones has now got to prove that he's the guy based of hiding behind it anymore. We've now got our good picks in the draft. We've got good players or better players in that offensive line. And he's now just got, it's basically make or break for him now. 
Yeah, it's basically just the world is, is in his or the, the world in, in his hands right now. Like he no shame did his best possible job to give his fair valuation to Daniel Jones. He gave him three offensive linemen in the draft and six in free agency. So if that's not an overhaul and that's not an improvement, then he's got to go, in my opinion. Yeah. I just don't see a way in which uh, we can uh, move forward with Daniel Jones if he doesn't perform in year four. Like, that's just too long for me. And and the, the crop of the quarterbacks that are coming in the quarterback class of 2023 are quite insane. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, Keaton Slovis, um, Spencer Sanders. Um, and then we got Caleb Williams coming in 2024. So the, if Daniel Jones doesn't play to his uh, potential, then we can really see Joe Shane take a swing at his quarterback next draft. And I really think that Joe Shane showed a lot of trust in Daniel when he didn't draft Malik Willis at that 43rd pick. I think we traded that for um, when he was available there. Or even at, I think it was 67, he was still available and we didn't take him there. Um, so the fact that we uh, didn't take the guy that um, we thought would be number one quarterback on our list was even projected to go to was a five or seven at one point um, shows a lot of trust in Daniel Jones and the fact that Shane is willing to give him a fair evaluation before we invest a lot of capital into him. So um, I, I truly believe that this is a sign of confidence for Daniel Jones and he should really be um, boosted by this. The fact that management, new management is showing um, confidence in, in him when he was, in, in fact, Gettleman's guy. So I'm excited for Daniel Jones. I think that he can really return to that rookie form with these two picks. Um, and I guess I guess we guys got to see how we uh, utilize these guys. No, exactly. And sort of coming away from the draft, but it is Giants-related. News today obviously broke that the Giants will be playing in England. So for once in my life, I'm actually going to get to see the Giants play live if I can get tickets. That's I think you can. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, sh- I shouldn't have a problem. It's going to be just like, sit where I can kind of basis but I'm absolutely buzzing that they've like they're playing the Packers which is like probably the worst one we could have got because I think they'll just wipe the floor of us I'm not gonna lie I do feel that like I'm gonna get there and by half time when I go home but like it's just gonna be an experience but you know we could be who knows we could be going into that game four no so we, we could be on fire and then I could we could we could be watching Daniel Jones masterclass, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that I'm absolutely over the moon for for that situation. Um, so yeah, so obviously our first round goes really well. Day one, I remember waking up in the morning and sort of looking back and reflecting on the night's events, and it was the Twitter was just a madness. Like everyone was so hyped, like there wasn't like one negative. I didn't see one negative comment day one. Day two comes along. Um, and we drive, we draft one player in round two, Wondell uh, Robinson at wide receiver. He got a lot of, well, he got a lot of bad, um, bad takes and a lot of stick for for being drafted. What was your opinion? For, for me, like they must have obviously they've looked at it, and Mike Kafka's clearly maybe potentially been involved in in the draft situation and turned around and went, we need these people kind of people. Um, what was your take on getting Wondell in the in the second round? I'm going to be up frank and honest with everyone. I love this pick. And the fact that, um, you know, we saw a ton of teams reaching for players earlier in, in the rounds. I really think that Wendell may not have been available. And I think the Giants got who they wanted at the top of their receiver list. 
outside of the, you know, the top six of Olave, you know, Williams or Williams and um, whoever else is on, on the top of the board. But Wendell Robinson, 5'8", about 180, you know, not not the tallest guy, but he's going to be dynamic out of the out uh, out of the backfield. And in space, he's got that. He's got those 20 like moves. He's got, um, you know, blazing speed, great after the catch speed ability and separation. Uh, he kind of reminds me a lot of a Darren Scrolls. But, you know, like obviously in more of a receiver role than um, than obviously a running back that Darren Sproles was. But I think that we can really get creative with that, with Wandell and Kadarius Tony now on the outside. We got the big bodies um, with uh, with Kenny Galladay and Bellinger and whatever other tight end that that we're going to. Oh, yeah. Ricky Seals Jones. I forgot about that. Ricky Seals Jones. Um, so those are our two big big, you know, receiving tight ends with a big receiver. And then, the, you know, the kind of like the Chiefs scheme where Kafka was masterminding that um, with, you know, Hill and Pringle and Hardman. And then they had the big receiver and Watkins. So very similar layout to the Chiefs and kind of the Bills in the same way with Beasley and McKenzie. And then you get Diggs, the big body. Um, so I'm really excited for this offensive scheme. I think Wendell is a perfect fit. And I think that we can, re- with this new upgraded offensive line and with a fully healthy Saquon and Daniel Jones, hopefully we'll be able to use that play action, sort of out uh, easy plays, quick, easy throws out to the outside kind of offense. And I think we can really get creative with this guy. And he seems like he really wants to be here. He's one of those guys that when I saw him in the press conference, he was, you know, all smiles, like not like, you know, Devontae Smith, where he seemed to hate go to, going to Philly. So um, I'm, I'm really excited for Wandale. I think he can really be a special player if we utilize him correctly. Um, and, you know, another great pick, in my opinion, even though it got a, a lot of public backlash from Giants fans who wanted, you know, maybe Willis or Nicobe Dean with that pick. But, you know, we needed a receiver. Slayton and uh, Shepard are very injury prone. And same with Galladay. And we saw Tony as well. So, no question marks over all of our receivers. So, you know, a wide receiver investment was coming. And I'm glad that we took him early and that we got our guy. Yeah. We'll go over a couple more, obviously, of, of the picks. But what I will say is that they, just looking at, like, the, the list we've got now, they've definitely analysed this very well. And, obviously, they've looked at it and gone, look, we said we got three offensive linemen. What was last year? Our offensive line was terrible. We've gone out and got three of them. We've now got a good tight end in Dan Bellinger. We've now got a cornerback because if we don't know what's going to happen with James Bradbury, we're probably going to cut him. You know, we've got another safety in Dane Belton. Uh, we've got another linebacker in, in Darian Beavers. Like, we are slowly but surely covering all these spots that last season we were all moaning about, like, every single week. And we've done, like, overall, like, like I said, we will go into some of them a bit more, but we've actually had such a good draft in terms of w- what we've drafted, where we've drafted, and who we've drafted. Like, you just go through that whole list and it's just not all not all these players are going to be, you know, with us in two years' time, you know, setting the world alight. We all know that some of these won't make the cart eventually. You know, some of them may do better than expected. But in terms of they've looked at it and gone, this is what we need to fill. And 90% of the Giant fans would have said, this was, you know, these are the positions we need to fill. And we've gone out and got them. So you can't really, I don't get the sort of backlash that we did get when we're talking about, like, you know, Wanda Robinson coming in at, at, at round two, we did need a, a wide receiver. Um, and like you said, I think it's better getting them earlier than it is leaving them, you know, so round five, six. So I, I think we've actually had a very good draft overall in terms of we've attempted to fix the problems, 
okay, they're not fixed right now because we haven't seen any of them play. But we've at least gone out there and gone, okay, this is wrong. I'm going to get him, him and him because they should fix a the problem. They may not, but they should fix a problem. So I don't know if you, if you feel the same way with that. But for me, like when a lot of Giants fans are coming on Twitter and, and moaning about certain things, like we've actually gone out there with intent in this draft to try and get what we need. Like, and like I said, they may not all work out, but we've got to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, uh, when when I was listening to Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, their, their press conference after the draft, they said, you know, we got our two guys with glaring needs, obviously, with um, Thibodeau and Neil in the first round. And then with the rest of the picks, you know, we were trying to fill some needs, but the, with the needs, I, we wanted to fill it with versatility. And Wendell Robinson is the definition of versatility, where you can play him out of the backfield, you can play him out wide in the slot. He's a small guy, but, you know, he, he's going to make dynamic plays with the balls in his hand as long as he gets in space. He's a great separator, and you see in yards behind Jamison Williams um, of Alabama, obviously, who was a first-round pick, and who was the highest-rated SEC, uh, PFF-graded SEC receiver this year. So let's not take that or deny that as well. He was – amazing for Kentucky and a really bad offense for Kentucky. So the fact that he was able to shine in uh, in an SEC environment in such a bad offense and such a bad team shows a lot about what this kid can do. He can be extremely special. And um, I think that that's what the main target of what, you know, Joe Shane and Dave Ball were, were expressing in the, in the, the rounds two through seven were uh, versatility, um, you know, needs, but also just uh, depth in competition is what they were saying, the line, the phrase they used. And that's what we got, you know, with our third, with our third round selections and even our fourth round selection as well. You just got so much versatility and, you know, um, bodies to compete in camp. And I, that's why I really wanted from this draft because, you know, we have to fill out this roster with multiple contracts to our entire cap situations. And I think we did that to the best of our ability. No, exactly. And at the end of the day, what people have got to remember is last season we were absolutely awful. Um, these players, like, I'm not saying everyone should start the first game of the season, okay? But what I am saying is they, they've almost got nothing to lose because they can't do any worse. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, like, we, we really, like... Like these players are going in, coming in with like you know, I mean, some expectations, but not many, not money expectations. You know, we're trying to. We're not expected to make the playoffs, so yeah, yeah, respect, exactly. It's more so, like, a learning curve for this year. Exactly. So the fact, like, the fact of the matter is, is this is a perfect environment for rookies to come in because you know there's not many expectations. There's, um, you know, enough expectation where like you, you want to be a part of the rebuild and want to be a part of the culture that the new regime's trying to build. But there's also laid back, but, you know, like, oh, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, like, um, you know, wow everyone. But, you know, go out there and make it make your case for staying on the roster in the, in the long-term future. So, you know, kind of a perfect way for these players to uh, make a name for themselves, these young players at least. No, exactly. And, yeah, like we said, they're not going to come in and start every single game. But there is pressure in the sense that, you know, they, they have got to play – like grab the opportunity when they get it, but because of how bad we have been, the competition isn't there as much. And what I would say, I, I think th this would have been different if we'd have drafted all these players. Say we get every single player we drafted, all eleven, but we're under the same management as last year. 
I think it's a different story. I think I turn around, I would turn around and say, half of them won't get a look in. They won't do. They won't do. Can be. I do believe when you're a rookie and you've got your team's going through a rebuild, that first season where it's new head coach, new GM, just new stuff, literally across the whole board, like that must be the best thing as a rookie because you're like, I'm on the same level. Well, I'm on the same even playing surface as every single player because the staff don't know anything. Like in terms of like their play system, they don't know who's going to be best fit because they've never worked with these players before. Okay, some of them they may work with at the Bills, etc. But like as this team, they've never worked with any of them. So like as a rookie, you're coming in, whether you come in at round one or round six, you're almost on the same level with everyone because if like no, they don't know anything. Well, not they don't know anything, but they don't know enough about everyone to determine that like okay. You're a prospect for the future. We don't, you know, because we've got this guy. We know so much about this guy. Sure, they've done their, their homework on players and stuff, and they all have background research, etc. But it's it would be so much better for a rookie to come in with a new head coach than it would be to have a coach that's maybe been there three, four years now and is going through that rebuild phase. Hundred percent agree. I mean, like like I said, like these guys are coming in. You know, Dayball's going to expect a lot out of him, but, you know, not not as much as, like, you know, like when Joe Judge was coach, he was making these these young rookies come in and just run, 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 run them into the ground. It was more of a relaxed, you know, fun environment, fun culture around this team, a, a bit of a youthful, um, you know, kind of culture around it. With, you know, Shane's only, what, like 42, 43, Dayball only being, like, 45. You know, there's more of a youthful presence around the Giants and, you know, kind of an excitement to be to be here. And that's the first time I think I felt that since, um, you know, maybe the beginning of Coughlin, Coughlin years. And that's kind of crazy to, to say that. But, um, you know, I didn't really feel much excitement with, when, with Judge. I didn't really feel much excitement with um, whoever oh, – I can't remember the uh, other head coach's name. But either way um, – you know, I, I, I just really think that th- this culture is going to change. And the fact that the rookies are giving a great, a gr- given a great platform to make a name for themselves on a big stage as big as New York is um, exactly, I think, what Dayball and them intended with these draft picks. Let them go out there, let them be themselves, let them develop and let them play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're going to have good games, they're going to have bad games, but that's where you make real NFL players, right? If, if a player goes out there and has a good game, the Giants fans will be the first ones to turn up on Twitter and praise them. And the same, it works every way around. If you have a bad game, you go on Twitter and you'll see the Giants fans absolutely slating you. So it really does bring the, the man out of you, I, I think, playing for New York. And I know it's such a cliche thing to say, every team will say that, but I do believe that New York is by far the hardest place to, to, do, to, do, to do your job. Um, you can sort of play for other market teams and maybe hide in the shadows. Um, but you can sort of hide in shadows in New York. Doesn't matter if we're the worst team or the best team, you can't hide in New York, you can't run, you've got to face and stand up to the challenge. And they'll all have the chance to do that. We don't know, but you know, obviously, hope for the best for them all. Um, one player I did want to touch on, uh, was, was our man at uh, cornerback flop in round three. So we, we, we brought him in, um, to get another cornerback in. This then led to, because this was near the end of like the second day, this then led to more uh, talk about James Bradbury. Now, nothing's officially happened yet, but uh, when was it? Yesterday, 
news broke that they're now looking to cut him. What is your take on the situation? Is I'm not I'm not here sitting here saying Flott is as good as James Bradbury, but do you chuck him in the deep end and just give him James Bradbury's spot and get rid of and then obviously when you cut him, what what would you do right now with, with the James Bradbury situation and the fact you've drafted one already? Um, I would say not throwing him into Bradbury's spot, but I think Adoree Jackson is good enough to take that, uh, you know, kind of spot. But especially in Wink's defense, he's more of a man press coverage, you know, getting your face type of guy. That's where Dory thrives, where he's, he's very physical at the line, very speedy, um, not really a great zone coverage guy, but um, really good with man. And that's kind of the same thing with uh, Aaron Robinson. I think he slots in at number two behind uh, Dory Jackson, Aaron Robinson. We saw glimpses of him last year, especially in that Cowboys game. He was very good. In that Eagles game, he was also very good. Coming back from injury, um, you know, lots of passes deflected, had an interception as well. Um, I think he could slot nicely into that wing defense. And I already said before in this podcast, I think Wink Martindale, uh, the, the breakout candidate player for him would be Aaron Robinson, just from scheme fit and from, I think he can get coached up really well to be, a very, very solid NFL corner. And then I think Flot would fl- would slide in right after, right, right behind him, like right after that. Because, you know, there's not many other bodies that I, I really trust on the on the outsides there. Maybe D- Darnay Holmes I would uh, maybe make a case for. But I think Darnay Holmes is like kind of a – he kind of like plays like a safety. I mean, he's great. He's, he's a good corner, but I think he's more of a safety build. And I think Flot is a little bit more of like your prototypical – cornerback and he thrived in that LSU defense um national contending team um right right alongside Derek Singley um he was even better than Singley this year actually so um it was just the hype around the Stingley I think Flock could be just as good as he can as Stingley if he can develop the right way we saw it at LSU and I think um if he can really play up to his potential he could be a really 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 valuable Third round pick for us, except especially for where we picked him out of pick eighty one. No, exactly, and obviously the man that's going to be leaving James Bradbury. Um, I was under the assumption that something may happen on draft day, but as it sort of went on, I knew nothing was going to come off of it. Um, I thought maybe with the KC trade that we spoke about a couple of and some facts about James Bradbury. J- James Bradbury is a top player; he deserves a salary. But the fact is, Giants are in a massive rebuild. And for what Bradbury's on, he just costs too much. And it's not feasible for the Giants to keep him. Um, because with, with, with James Bradbury, one day there is 10 articles on the guy. And then it all quietens down for two weeks. And you're thinking, OK, that's the end of all that. The rumours, the rumour uh, will. And then, like, it all just breaks again. Like, I just want to know what's going to happen. Like, if, it, if we're going to cut him, just, it's fine. Just, just do it. Like, let's not just drag this out and make this a massive long thing where, like, it just, yeah, it just ends up, like, winds... I feel like it winds the fans up more when they just don't know what's going to happen. Um, with, with James Bradbury, where do you think he'll go if he gets cut by the Giants? Um, that's a good question, honestly. Um, I think if he does end up getting cut, I could see him going to um, any one of a couple teams. The first one, I hate. I would hate to say it, but being the Eagles, I think the Eagles solve corner need, and I mean, I'm not sure if the I'm not sure if Bradbury would go there, but um, I think that there's potential potentiality for the fact for for them to uh, 
re- make a partnership. Um, but I, I, I would, I would be scared to see that though because there, there's a lot of steam around it, and I, I, I don't really like it necessarily. But um, I would hope Bradbury goes somewhere out of our division because I really love Bradbury. I, I hated to see him. I would hate to see him go. But the fact of the matter is that we're in a dire cat situation. We kind of need to um, address this before, um, you know, anything happens before the season. So um, it's going to be tough to see him go. But in my opinion, this is like this is the right thing to do if we do end up cutting him. But um, yeah, so I guess maybe like like the Chiefs would still be a good spot. But um, I, I really just don't want Bradbury anywhere near us because I feel like he'll, he'll, he'll want revenge on us for cutting him. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, obviously, like I said, we had a good draft. James Bradbury will probably be announced soon. That he... um, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We'll, I'll give you one more question. Um, you have to grade the draft, um, obviously, A plus to an F. What would you give it? And your reasons why? I would say an A, and the only reason why I'm not saying A plus is because obviously there was one or two picks I feel like we could have, you know, waited until the next round. But um, like A plus for Thibodeau and Neil, A plus for for Beavers in the seventh round or sixth round, whatever it was. Like God, that was great value for him. I did not expect him to be there at that point. We got him in our mark drafts at 81, and we were getting A pluses for that. The fact that he dropped all the way down there is kind of crazy. Um, and then we we filled we filled up some needs and some competition in in depth with our our O line with the Zedu and um, with the other North Carolina tackle uh, last name. Then Flot would be a great third cornerback for us. Um, then Wendell Robinson, a dynamic player on the outside. We filled the needs we needed to. We we did as best we could, and we got two blue chip prospects at the end of the day. We're not going to win anything this year. The fact that we got two pieces that can help us win something in the future is a massive W for me. Give me an A in that draft all day long. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm with an A with you. It's been a, su- a successful draft on paper. Um, we'll have to wait and see what they do for us during the season. But it, it's looking good. If you're a Giants fan right now, you can smile. You can wear your jersey with a smile on your face for once. And that will get wiped away in game one if we uh, get battered. But the belief is there that we've brought in two very good players in round one and some very good pickups in the later rounds. So we'll leave it there for today. Brendan, it's been a pleasure once again. Um, And yeah, we'll see you for the next one. I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks for listening.